Hello again, this is Josh Carr with The Real Angle, and today I'm speaking with Adam Fruitbein, Chief Investment Officer at Max Properties. Adam, how are you doing today? I'm good, Josh. Thanks for having me. Appreciate good. it. Good. Good to have you, too. Uh, so one thing I always like to say for those on the audience, because invariably someone will always ask if I don't say it, uh, the web address is maxxproperties.com. always like to get that out there, because... Yep. The modern world, the first thing everyone does is Google stuff. Um, so, yeah, let's start with the basics. Uh, you're CIO at Max Properties. Um, how long have you been there? Uh, wh where were you before? So uh, I've been with Max, better part of seven months going on eight. So relatively new to the program. And uh, I've had a 25-year career in real estate Uh Majority of that has been either on the investment sourcing side as an acquisitions investment person or uh, on the capital market side, uh, raising capital or connecting real estate to capital and vice versa. So uh, buy side and sell side hybrid, uh, but uh, here at Max uh, as CIO, a little bit more focus on the investment side. Right. And assumedly, because you guys, I mean, Max Properties has been around for how long? 86 years. Yeah. Right. So I'd imagine time. by by 86 years, you're not as much in the fundraising mode as uh, you would be if you were, uh, you know, a startup or what have you. I imagine it's more. Right. Finance. Right. Although we will talk about some of that strategic expansion with capital as we progress here. Yeah. Great. Excellent. Excellent. So, yeah. So let's talk a little bit about the investment thesis, because that seems relevant. Um, so what markets are you currently in? So uh, just quick history, and that'll answer the Please. question. So so Max was, was founded in 1936, family-backed business, single family. Uh, started investing uh, at its origin in New York City real estate, in the boroughs in Manhattan, uh, small, mid, high-rise uh, apartments, some converted to co-ops, some converted to condos. Uh, and that really continued for the, the first, let's just say, 50-odd years. And so only recently in the early mid-90s, was there a strategic uh, decision amongst uh, the third and fourth generations of the family to start to divest some capital from New York City and redeploy capital into growth markets in the mountain states and the West, uh, Southeast. So you speed forward to today. <clears throat> we started with zero in 1936 and through uh, a lot of uh, generational uh, acquisitions and some dispositions, we now today own uh, roughly 10,000 units about $2 billion of assets under management just in the apartment sector. And we're active in Denver, uh, Salt Lake City, Phoenix, Las Vegas, uh, Central and South Florida, North Carolina, and still maintain um, a, a pretty strong presence in, in New York City, New York metro area. But a lot of that has been transferred over time. And so I consider us a national multifamily, vertically integrated owner-operator because we have a 300-person team, our own verticals of property management, accounting, all the things that you'd expect a full-service group to have. We only serve one client, though, one family for the moment, but that I expect to change. So a couple, couple things you hit on which are interesting. So if you had to, not guess, but if you had to say, like what percentage of the portfolio is still New York City as you've divested away from that? 10 to 13%. Okay, okay. So yeah. still sizable if you're talking about the dollar amounts you're talking about, but yeah, you're you're not really a, a New York, you're not by any means a New York exclusive operator. And and I'm curious, when you talk about how they decided to move money into other markets, and it's right. one family, I mean, it's basically a family office. Right. Um, and this is just curious, did they deploy money into other things other than real estate, or were they 
by diversifying, they just said simply, let's do some other real estate assets? Well, uh, <clears throat> the portfolio is predominantly in the rental apartment space. And okay. as far as the family's holdings and general wherewithal, I mean, they, they, they did grow up in the real, their the source of their, their equity and a lot of their wealth came from real estate. So not surprisingly, a lot of it is there, but they certainly have diversified into other investments. And so, uh, but it's a real estate family. Right. And Max Properties focuses on the real estate stuff, not whatever else they may or may not be doing. Okay. Um, and most of the stuff you're doing now um, is the goal to do, are you looking to do value add stuff by existing product, ground up development? What's the, what's the, what's the vision, I guess, as you're growing into these other markets? So the lion's share of what we do is buying existing and not so and, and stereotypical family office, we're looking to acquire assets, uh, put long-term debt in place and hold them long-term. And so the, okay. the metrics are current income, uh, long-term appreciation, refinance periodically and, and, and reinvest that capital, sell assets, 1031 to others. So there's a lot of estate planning and tax management involved in that. Uh, but as we go forward and get, we'll, we'll get into that, I see strategically we'll be growing to the point where, uh, we want to be active, and we've already started uh, being uh, equity partners in some sponsored deals, particularly for development. So we've done some some uh, equity JVs with developers. Uh, we provided GP capital to some sponsors, uh, particularly in the LIHTC sector, where we don't have that expertise, and so we would choose to leverage another group. So on the edges where we don't feel like it's a core competency, we will leverage other specialists. And let, let's talk about that. So on light tech stuff, low income housing tax credit stuff, yeah. when you're partnering with these developers, are you, in those cases, are you looking to be the takeout because you want stabilized product and they're building it and then you're the takeout? Or is it just more like you're you're working with them as you're a co-developer and then you're flipping it out to someone else? Right. So the, the development is in market rate and the light tech has yeah. been focused on pre-existing acquisitions. But Got on it. the okay. on the development side, usually, well, we would like to be in these assets long-term and we pick our partners who have a similar point of view. So a lot of the merchant builders have not until recently been on our radar. Uh, and then on that, that one opportunity where we're doing something with an operator there, it's a medium term hold. So it'll call it a core plus opportunity uh, where we're partnered together, knowing that there is going to be a mutual sort of hold period, but uh yeah, I mean nothing. Nothing is necessarily done with IRR in mind. It's it's a bit of you know more current income and orientation. But uh, you know, I think uh, generally speaking, it's been medium to longer term holds historically. Got it. Got it. Got it. So so you you've alluded to it a, a bit. Let's talk about sort of the the uh, the broader strategic plans that you mentioned. I mean, so traditionally you've been a family office. You're deploying the money for essentially one family. Uh, you're now looking. You've got this operational capacity that you built up over decades right. so you're looking to maybe work with other family offices like what what do you what are you looking to do do you think sure so uh first it, it really what we do right now is sort of we have one we have one track which is we are looking to maximize value uh for our family of business uh in complement to that going forward as part of our strategic goal for the next 10 years our intent is to really take uh what has been uh, it, it's a formidable operating company, uh, and and really our presence in these markets has grown over time, and uh, selectively start to invite other investors uh, to join us and to be buyers of product, maybe recap existing opportunities or within our portfolio. 
but the real the real point here is you know, the next we've 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 taken the first step with geographic growth over the last 30 years now the thought is well let's talk to some folks that have looked to us for years for options to invest and maybe maybe we'll say yes this time and we'll start to uh, put together you know a little bit more of an investment management capability where whether it's institutional equity or other taxable like kind investors we'll start to uh, look at aligning uh, for short and long term type investing Okay, so then you're doing like a GPLP type structure, or bringing in partners. Or- it would be a compliment, and probably look at some things that are a little bit more IRR driven, because I think okay. that's probably where we have wanted to go, and I think that that's an opportunity also to align with folks who similarly look for value add or risk adjusted returns on a shorter to medium term hold, and that would be a compliment. Different different products, so there's no conflict in sort of strategies. Right. Okay. So you still, and that makes a lot of sense, right? Because otherwise. The question is, when you find the deal, where right. does it go, right? So if you're talking about stable, current yield type stuff, you know, the current family keeps doing their thing. If you're doing a value add stuff, then maybe you're bringing in other partners. So, yeah, you're addressing the conflict of interest issue. That was going to be my next question is how do you figure out where the we've, deal goes? We've been value add players for our own business for a long time. So I think we have a track record of remanufacturing assets to their core potential, Um we just have done it for our own account. And now I think, you know, we would probably look at doing that magnitude of task work with partners because I think there's 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 opportunity coming and we want to be able to capture that. And now that you mentioned it, but now I am curious. I mean, you've also built this operating business over decades. Have you has there been any interest to think about, hey, maybe we can grow the service business a bit, do some third party property management or, you know, that sort of stuff? Or is that not something that's of interest at the time? Uh that could happen. I, I think that most importantly, though, the operating company, the property management company is is designed to be much more sort of owner focused. And so I think okay. that at, at current size and the ratios of the you know, we have we have uh, the right mix of regionals and vice presidents. And we, we have an infrastructure that supports, I think, good growth. But I think that growth is going to come from our principal investing and potentially that would in joint venture with, you know, other like kind of investors. So right. Not to become a receiver for the courts to deal with distressed debt or something like that. It's not not to get out of your uh, your right. your core competency. No, I figured I'd ask because, I mean, you know, a lot of uh, with interest rates being kind of crazy and bouncing all over the place. It feels to me over the last couple of years, I've had a lot of conversations with guys who are traditional owner operators who are saying, well, heck, I got to do something with my time. Uh, What else can I do with this? You know, what else can I do basically to create value? So I figured I'd ask. Um, The management company for us is really a function of helping us execute on owned business. And so uh, and it's worked well for us there. So I would foresee that staying that way. Not its own revenue generator. Yeah, no, I get it. It can be a little distracting. It's a separate business in and to itself when you do that. No, and I get it. And I and I know people yeah. who have gone into all kinds of screwy things where they end up saying, well, heck, we have laundry machines. Let's have a laundry machine company. And you know, at, at real scale, happens. it could be a very, very formidable piece of business. But to right. get to that scale, you know, it takes time and, and I think uh, more resources that we'd rather put elsewhere. As you said, it's a whole other business. So, um, so one question... I know we talked a little bit before we even got on the line, uh, but I just wanted to address. So New York City is famous for having, you know, a very regulated environment in terms yep. of rent control, landlord tenant law, evictions, all that good stuff. Uh, a lot of the markets you've mentioned, you know, and the markets on your website, I mean, you know, Arizona, Utah, Nevada, 
These are not markets that I think of as being, you know, highly regulated markets by any means. Um, was that one of the drivers for these markets? Like when you're thinking about what markets to expand into, and I realize a lot of these decisions were made before you were even here, but like what, what, why those, why these markets and other, other markets, you know, sure. big country? Well, uh, we, the firm grew up in the New York rental real estate market. And at the time it's what you know, and you operate in the environment that, you know, that you're an expert in. Uh, I would say that our, our progression wasn't necessarily because we were unable to expand at the rate we wanted to, but we looked at growth. And one of the reasons for growth is to diversify. And yes, to some degree, the political and the rent control climate of New York has made it increasingly difficult as a landlord, right? We're not in the rent control business, we're in the apartment ownership business. And so our thesis really is to find good risk adjusted returns. And seemingly that's been even more sort of pronounced in the last 10 or 15 years. where um, some of these markets uh, that we're in, you know, obviously have less regulation and there's been good population and employment growth. And so um, I would say that the geographic growth, sure, if, you know, of 10 metrics, that would be one that would factor into sort of why here versus elsewhere. Uh, we're, we're big owners in Denver, which is starting to see its share of regulation, right? And so we're not afraid right. of it. We certainly right. have an expertise in doing it and we like the market and we're not leaving. Um, sure. But, you know, uh, sure, uh, there is a lower cost of ownership and, and a little bit of an ease of operations in those markets that are, you know, less regulated for sure. Yeah, I just figured I'd ask. Right. I mean, because it's, I mean, you know, there's been a lot of ink spilled on the part of, you know, newspaper reporters about yep. the impact of rent control and the health of New York. And as a native New Yorker, uh, it's something that I, I think about so just figured i'd ask um, it, it, it always factors but that would be one of many factors as to why not new york versus you know going someplace else but yeah sure it comes up sure sure sure, sure. so you know part of you made a reference earlier to talking about you know you've got you know regional vice presidents here regional vice presidents there and that that gets to another conversation we really haven't talked about which is you know run running a business i mean you're mm-hmm. as a chief investment officer you're not you know you're not not that you don't know your way around Excel, but you know, you're not the analyst, right? You've got a team of people who do a lot of different functions for you. Um, how are you finding it staffing in these all these different markets? Like you're 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 running a team that's not local anymore. What what's that like? So well, uh, I I wish it were as I was as directly accurate that last statement. I mean, we all have work to do and the title doesn't necessarily entitle you to not do work. Right. I we get all, it. you still get yourself. You yeah. Know, trust coffee. me. I get um, that. I get there, that. this is uh, yeah, that you have to lead by example and, and you have to know your stuff. Right. So, sure, uh, sure. but uh, to answer your question about sort of org chart and scale. So um, first of all, a lot of the, a lot of the folks that we have in our operating company reporting through different work charts, right. I mean, the, the re- those, those folks that you're mentioning are coming through the operating, the property operations uh, function. So, I have dotted lines to a lot of folks, right? Because we're always talking about how the markets are doing or making investment decisions and getting folks coordinated to help us in due diligence or market information. Um, so it, the uh, to answer your question about sort of specialty, the folks that work directly with me, right, are working directly on processing and looking at new opportunities and creating, you know, policy and procedure for investment criteria, uh, portfolio management, hold sell analysis, uh, you know, going out and, and looking at and auditing our asset plans, right? Making sure we're doing what we're doing in coordination with operations. 
And then investor relations, as we continue to build towards uh, this socialization of the firm with other capital, how do you present yourself, right? Messaging, PR, marketing, and track record, packaging yourself to be presentable, right? Um, which, you know, for an 85-year-old company is no small task. It's a good story, but you have to take the time to do it. So a lot of the folks that are working with me are very specific to uh, their role. And I guess, uh, you know, getting back to skill sets, a lot of great talent here with, with a lot of graphic design and desktop publishing and asset management experience. Um, and the one thing, you know, we talked about before that I think is the, the one piece where you spend more time is really delving into sort of the analytical side that folks bring to the table. In the end, real estate is metrics, it's performance. It's the one universal LCD across all of your real estate, whether you own it or you choose to underwrite it is what do these numbers look like? And uh, it doesn't always fit the same box. And, you know, you're looking at things a little creatively and, uh, but in the end, a 10 IRR for one deal needs to pretty much be confidently compared to the 10 IRR for another. And so, I find myself spending a lot of time uh, delving into folks' acumen for the analytics, and uh, you know, I, I think it's a it's an acquired skill. I know that's part of your profession, and conveniently, the answer is sort of focused there. But um, I think that a lot of folks understand real estate. Uh, that the trick sometimes is providing that analytical interpretation and making sure folks are spot on with that, because I think that's to me is one of the most important pieces. Yeah, if you can't measure it, then then it doesn't exist. Like, how do you actually measure success? Um, and that's, and I imagine, you know, and this is not, you know, I mean, this is not unlike any other organization. I mean, you're an organization that's been around for decades. And as a result, you know, there are pre-existing processes and a lot of it is understanding, okay, you know, how, how have we done this in the past and how we measure it? And, and your point about, you know, having a track record, how you present it. I mean, heaven knows I can think of a lot of examples of very successful people in this industry who are not good at explaining why they're good at what they do. And, uh, you know, the inverse is equally true. Uh, there are a lot of people who are really good at the smoke and the mirrors, but, um, you know, doesn't mean you actually know what you're doing. So it's interesting. It's interesting. Um, yeah. So, you know, right now in the market, you're looking at deals. You mentioned, you mm -hmm. know, looking at opportunities, processing things. Uh, you're looking for current yield. Obviously, if interest rates uh, going up and then down and, who knows what they're doing now of course we're doing this recording in december rates seem to be on their way down but by the time this gets out to the world you know in a few weeks or whenever we release it you know it it, it could not be that case <laughs> um what are you what are you looking for in today's market like and what do you think about how much is your family office you guys think longer term than a lot of other players you're not private equity guys so generally your time horizons are longer um, to what extent do interest uh, rates affect you? How, how do you think about that? So uh, the answer is um, I would like to have been busier than we have been for the last seven or eight months. We actually have a very, very, we have a high appetite to be buying through up cycles and down cycles. Again, you know, 86 year old firm that has been buying and selling, although not over, you know, one to two year periods consistently for decades. And so you know, we're in a position where uh, you know, we're looking at the right metrics. And you know, really, the last seven, eight months has not necessarily been not a, a lack of opportunity, but rather what are the analytics of those opportunities? And the trends have been steadily. You know, we look at current income. We do look at levered yields. Uh, a lot of that has been difficult because of the cost of debt. And, and to some degree, because we're in the apartment space, we have watched and waited that progressively over the last, really the last year, before I joined, you know, cap rates have been moving up, but 
they hadn't caught up to yet, right? And so you were right. still buying assets that were dilutive in their first year yield relative to the cost of debt. And, the, and of course, for us, you know, we, we have a lot of resources, but they're not unlimited. Uh, last year's $25 million check to buy a $90 million deal is now $48 million, right? Just debt limitations. And so you have to just pick your spots a little bit more carefully because now you're making bigger commitments to the same piece of real estate. So um, that has been moving steadily. Well, if you're a buyer, it's been moving steadily you know, in our favor. Um, sure. We'll see with these with the interest rates coming down as they have as to whether that finally finds its sort of spot to transact. Uh, wish we had been selling more of our assets. Would like to be moving some of that equity uh, through our portfolio, but we hadn't for the same reasons because we were watching pricing come down. And just the question is, what would you do with the money if you had it back anyway? So, um, but what I see going forward is a couple of things. Um, we were initially thinking that we'd be bigger players and build to hold. Um, that on the development side as a JV player and sort of work our way into a portfolio. That for the moment, the value proposition has moved away from. I mean, the return on cost because costs are still higher is, you know, is 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 not nearly as attractive, uh, particularly with cap rates continuing to rise. Right. Uh, again, that needs to sort of normalize, which it will. Uh, but I would say for the next 12 months, we're still, we'll be buyers, uh, replacement costs, uh, you know, buying a core acquisition or a value add uh, is, looks a lot better from a risk adjusted standpoint. And, you know, I really can't pencil development right now because the acquisitions are right there, if not better. Right. Yeah. Why, why build if you can buy existing product yeah. and make a better yield with, with no development risk? Um, so that, yeah, so that gets us to 2024. So then in yeah. 2024, like, how do you know when it's time to jump back in the market? Is it a matter of cap rates just going up a bit more? Is it a matter of debt stabilizing? Uh, you know, is there, you know, I'm always, it's, you know, people have all kinds of opinions, it seems, about, you know, political issues. Like, what's your, at what, at what point does your red light turn right. green, basically, and get you to jump back in? So I would, I mean, my, my light, my, my, you know, my light has always been green. Uh, I'm okay, a definitely a class, a, a, a glass half full, but uh, so, you know, to some degree it's been, uh, you know, making sure we do the right thing. But um, I would say in 2024, we probably turn it back on in a big way because I do okay. think we're at a point where we feel confident that the next year or two of vintage will be, will be there. I think that the operations across the country supply and, and, you know, waiting, I think job growth took such a run that now the A, B and C market with all the supply coming is starting to put pressure on every level. And so everyone's recalibrating to their new place in life. Even our portfolio would ran up as finding is now finding sort of its new gear. Um, but I would say that, look, there, there will be some opportunities to buy. Uh, it could be, in my opinion, at, at the very newer part of the market where the lease ups are kind of right there and folks want to monetize and and they're okay where it is. It may not be what they thought it was in, in early 22, but they'll transact and I'd like to be there. Um, but I'd also would like to be a seller too. And I think right now we're getting very close to the point where we feel good about making those moves and putting product out there and thinking we'll have a good reception. So um, I would expect this on both sides, buys and sales, maybe even leading with the sales market to be, to be active. Okay. Fair enough. So yeah, so uh, generate some more dry powder to then put to work and more things that you can buy, turn around and create value on. Fair yeah, I'd, I'd like some dry powder uh, because I do think that there's going to be a good opportunity in 24. And I would like to be an owner and sort of into a good vintage of product by 26 and 7. When I think the fundamentals are going to be really good because the supply will have absorbed by then and 
there's really no capital right now to put new supply out, which is a housing problem for the U.S., but an opportunity for owners, in my opinion. Yeah, and that, you know, not to get too far afield, but, you know, uh, basic questions like where do all these people live? I mean, the, the, the amount of housing product produced relative to household formation is uh, out of whack. So, yeah, it's uh, there's some broader issues, but I hope to get someone on in a couple episodes who's more of a economist talking about sort of broader impacts. Yep. Um, but, yeah, no, it's your, your point is uh, to be an owner when rents go up, it's uh, not a bad thing to be. Interesting. Well, look, I, I think it's <clears throat> it's a great platform. And, you know, if anything, the theme here is modernization, um, taking a company and basically, you know, expanding it and making it, as you said, more of a, you know, not that it won't be a family office, but building an investment management business, which is definitely its own beast, but also one that I know you have experience with. So, and, and you have to find good opportunities. I, I don't think that Max Properties will 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 struggle to find folks that would like to align. And that's not to suggest it's cocky, but I think that there's a lot here to want to be part of. Sure. Real question is finding attractive real estate opportunities, right? And making sure that we put ourselves in the line of fire to find good things because what's actionable is far more marketable. Uh, and so that to me is my mandate for 24 is to is to mark good places to park capital. And I think we'll be able to find folks that trust us. That's my goal. Yeah, excellent stuff. And I think that's a perfect place to close. Uh, so I'll say thanks again for your time, Adam. Uh, pleasure talking about the markets. And to everyone else on the internet again, uh, the website is Max Properties. That's maxxproperties.com. And I've been speaking with Adam Fruitvine, uh, CIO at uh, Max Properties. Happy thanks, holidays Adam. to everybody. Happy holidays. You too, Josh.